Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a T-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Greetings, comrades, and welcome to the Eastern Border. Now, as you might have noticed, there's been a bit of a time since my last episode, but as you can also probably hear, my uh, my neck has just, well, regained its capability of uh, of producing sound. See, uh, I'm pretty good at surviving on the war zones and all that whatnot, as you've probably, probably noticed, but um, every time some sort of a flu gets around, I, um, I'm the one to catch it very quickly and just have been unable to, to talk properly. But, well, I am, I'm back in order, and I hope that this is for a longer time than previous, because uh, I hate these disruptions of my work, and uh, we have some interviews planned. Um, I'm going to be one interviewed. Um, that's going to be on, on Daniele Bolelli's uh, Drunken Taoist podcast that's being organized, and uh, also I'll be on John Michael Gaudier's Event Horizon. If you if you listen to that, because there are some subject matters which I thought would be better suited for those shows than than mine, and uh, I, I was interviewed by uh, by um, <clears throat> well I, I'm not even sure if I can t- reveal that to you yet. No, I I won't I won't reveal you that. It, it's a sci-fi show that's gonna come out, and and then then you'll see. It, it's it's fine. It's it's by a person that that who who has interviewed me before. Yeah, once again, if I sound a bit weird, that's because uh, I'm dealing with tons of neck pain right now. But overall, well, the front also hasn't been as moving as we had uh, seen previously. That's due to, again, mostly weather conditions. You see, currently, over most of Ukraine, the weather is quite much a, a slush. So it's either very wet snow or very cold rain, which is mixing the ground into a terrible situation of mud. As you probably have uh, noticed, if you've seen any any pictures of the conditions of the soldiers on the ground in, in their trenches, it's muddy and pretty terrible. One thing, though, is that um, the war has changed a bit once again, and once the ground freezes, we'll see more activities. There was a lot of talk about Bakhmut, the city of Bakhmut, where some action could have happened. However... As both sides have drawn reinforcements over there, well, um, yeah, nothing really much has happened. 
Once again, I do have to add that, thankfully, the Ukrainian soldiers seem to be much better equipped for winter conditions than the Russian mobilized, with whom troubles are continuing en masse, as there are a ton of riots, protests, and everything happening. That's become an everyday occurrence at this point. I, I'll, I'm going to have to refocus, because uh, due to my illness, I've, I now have a massive debt of, of stuff to talk about. But uh, besides this, yeah, once again, war has changed a bit since Ukraine has struck Russian territory about 400-500 kilometers deep. They used drones to strike um, air airfields in Saratov and Ryazan Oblast, uh, hurting and damaging the bombers, tactical, the strategical bombers, which were supposed to carry nuclear nuclear weapons, nuclear rockets, in, um, in case of emergency, you know, in case of nuclear war breaking out. And they have been damaged. And, and in light of this, and, and to put this in contrast, also Wall Street Journal had reported that the United States had secretly modified the reactive systems of HIMARS, which they, have been given, which they had given to Ukraine, as to not be able to fire the, the ATACM's uh, long-range rockets, even if they would, uh, would get them from another source, in fears of escalation. Now, I don't really know how you can escalate this further, and, and all these fears of escalation should really kind of be thrown out, because... Well, it's better to just to just win this, I think. But uh, but still, you have this information. So apparently, Ukrainians are now using their own uh, home-produced drones to to do this stuff. So that's on the war front, and again, we are waiting until the ground freezes. However, there's uh, a lot of weird news happening around there, and there's a story that I wanted to talk about a bit. And this happened in the June, and I think I mentioned this in one of the episodes back then. However, I I kind of want to find something, you know, a bit funny in this whole situation of the war. And some things tend to get a bit weird. And recently, recently I noticed a news segment coming out of, of Russia. By, um, in one of the regional newspapers, there was this... Announcement that they are now opening a plaque of honor for one Sergei Obuchov. For heroism and, and glorious deeds and, and again studies about how he has, well, repeat Rambo just times 900, all, all that stuff. And how he's gotten, you know, a medal of honor posthum posthumously and all that stuff. And and now they have like uh, some of his equipment in their local, local town's museum and all that whatnot. But that's the problem that this Sergei Obuchov has been involved in one of the most most weird, most shameful events of the Russian military in the whole war. And I think, I, think, I think it's important to kind of talk about the situation in light that you now know how everything's been going on and, and how the Sergei Obuchov, you know, he's, he's gotten his plague. And this is what, why he got his plague for, because this is a bit stupid. And this, this involves Kherson as well, in a way. This is crazy. See, in mid-June... A shootout took place in, in um, the Food Topi Cafe, located on the Dnieper embankment in the occupied Kherson. Two FSB officers and one contract officer soldier of the Russian army were killed. Another FSB officer and a serviceman from the Ministry of Defense were seriously wounded. A few days later, Alexei Arstovich, who was advisor to the office of President of Ukraine, stated that this was the work of Ukrainian partisans. Later, the Yahoo News Agency reported, citing document from the investigative committee, that the shootout was the result of a drunken squabble between Russian servicemen, which turned out to be completely true. 
And this is, again, one of the reasons why Aristovich sometimes says things that, you know, aren't really checked and confirmed. So I'm careful with um, him as an information source, just so you knew. And this was a widely spread incident. I mean, Yahoo News wrote it. So it was reported by most most everyone in the, in the world. However, there was one mystery in this story. And, um, and because of this mystery, well, there's a whole bunch of issues with the Ministry of Defense, the FSB, the investigative committee, and everything, and intrigue does not subside. Some do everything to keep it secret, and others wanting to take revenge of their opponents, they want to publicize this. The secret is the name of another FSB officer who was relaxing that day in that Herson restaurant. Documents from the criminal case published by Yahoo News describe his role in just one line. Quote, an unidentified serviceman of um, the VOG-9, temporary, temporary task force of the Russian FSB, fled the scene. He just got scared and ran away. Inside the FSB, everyone knew, knows who he is, but they do everything so that no one recognizes his last name. Because this whole story is one big shame. And for him, and especially for Dad, this whole matter is a lot. And, um, yeah, this this was uh, told to a lot of sources. Well, published by a lot of sources, by uh, important, impo- by Vajni Historia, and, and then by other, other commenters, because uh, one of the FSB officers came out and explained this. And important stories found out the man's name. Turns out that uh, the guy who ran away was the son of one of the most influential generals of the FSB. See, the official version of the Herson skirmish is set out in the Certificate of the Military Investigation Department for the Black Sea Fleet of the Russian Investigative Committee. On June 17th, Igor Sudin, a 30-year-old native of um, Mahalachka, along with his colleague, 28-year-old Sergei Obuchov, the guy who got the plague of honor, from the village of Mugriyevsky, where he now has a plague, of Ivanova region, were drinking at the Food Topic Cafe, in Kherson. Now, obviously, what do you do if you are in occupied Ukraine and you have nothing else to do? You get drunk and you use lots of, you know, lots of booze. As you should do, probably, you know. And uh, Sudin, senior operator of the the unmanned aerial vehicles of the artillery reconnaissance battery, well, and his colleague Lance, uh, and, and his colleague Obuchov, commander of the Sound Measuring Reconnaissance Platoon section of the Artillery Reconnaissance Battery, official names, all this stuff. Both served under contract in the 8th, uh, 8th Separate Artillery Regiment stationed in Simferopol. On the same day, a group of FSB officers were drinking in the same restaurant. Dmitry Borodin, Lieutenant Colonel of the Economic Security Service, Igor Yakubinsky and Sergei Privalov from the Special Purpose Center. And uh, data on the identity of the fourth serviceman of the FSB of Russia are being established, the materials of the criminal case said. Both companies, according to the documents, quote, passed their time oddly drinking liquor, which means they got, well, extremely drunk. At about eight in the evening, two FSB officers did not like the fact that the contract soldiers were drinking in military uniform and were in the restaurant with weapons. And they got a remark. And FSB officers chose the worst the time and place for the quarrel. On the first day of the occupation of Kherson, the Russian army, instead of the flowers and le- le- leaves pu- published by the FSB intelligence from the local population, faced a large-scale partisan movement. At night, military patrols were subjected to constant attacks. Residents of the city transmitted information about the deployment, uh, the works, all of it. And... Um, and an FSB soldier f- familiar with the situation stated that, quote, There in the cafe, everyone was drunk. 
When the skirmish began, the, the contractors began to demand that they be shown documents. And ours, the FSB guys, answered something in the spirit of, Who are you in general? Go get some sleep. As a result, one of the contractors pulled out his gun and started firing at the floor, demanding documents. Either he thought that the sabotage units were there, or, or, or he just was too drunk to care. And the guy who pulled out the pistol of his, hold, of his holster was this young uh, junior surgeon, Sergei Obuchov, who now has a plague for heroism and doing his duty with the completely made-up acts of heroism out there in his name that he valiantly defended the motherland. Basically, in short, everyone did a nice little shootout, everyone pulled out their assault rifles and started shooting, and everyone died. And this was crazy. Because everyone's dead because of their own infighting, and now one of these guys has a plague of honor. In this conflict, only one person was not injured. And it's the same <clears throat> unidentified FSB officer who escaped from the, ca from the cafe. And the thing is... The thing is, is that two various sources, both from, from, from various sides, one, two important stories, Vajni Estoria, that's the translation of the name, and others to some other people who are familiar with the details of the shootout, named him, and it turns out to be Yevgeny Tikhonov, the son of the famous FSB Colonel General Alexander Tikhonov. See, because Tikhonov, he, from 1998 to September of this year, that is almost 25 years, Tikhonov Sr. headed the FSB Special Purpose Center. This was created on the basis of the legendary Alpha and Vimpe special forces units. For many years, Tikhonov remained one of the most closed and influential generals of the FSB. And in September of this year, he was dismissed from military service upon reaching the age limit. This, this happened just a couple of months after the drunken shootout in Kherson. And, uh, yeah, this is, this is kind of crazy. And now, well, obviously this doesn't cause a lot of respect, and this causes a lot of internal struggle, since... Even back in the Soviet era, the, the military and the FSB, well, back, back then the KGB, they were arguing amongst themselves. But right now this has blown up because one side is trying to advance the investigation, making sure everyone knows what happened, and the other side is trying to hide the fact because this guy was influential, and now the, the, the career is, is pretty much gone. And that's a weird story about, you know, Russians once again doing their Volka Drunkensky shenanigans. But, uh... That's sadly so much for the for the funny side of this episode. We kind of have to get back to more serious matters. First of all, I'd like to say that uh, this war in Russia has claimed, at least, well, it seems so, that um, another life has been claimed. And this time, it's the Chechen blogger and famous Kadyrov critic and a person whom I've worked with to get some contacts and, and, and on my Kadyrov episodes, Tumso... Abdurrahmadov. He was apparently murdered in exile in Sweden. According to Telegram channel One Adat, who is uh, that's an influential Telegram channel, who are, well, mostly about Chechens living in exile in fear of Kadyrov's reprisals and his regime. This blogger was killed in Sweden, and One Adat cites informants from Europe and Chechnya in the report. One of that says, quote, Tumso was shot at night by a group of people and the details of the murder are being clarified at the moment. They do not give other details, but noted that the security services have hidden Tumso Abdurrahmadov's brother. Radio, Radio Liberty also reports that according to Abdurrahmadov's supporters, he was killed on the night of December the 2nd. They provide no further details, and Swedish law enforcement agencies, well, 
they, they, they comment very vaguely about the situation. Which is weird. He might as well be alive at this point, but then he's hiding and probably is in some security and the situation is weird, but I really don't don't have high hopes for the situation. I mean, we don't have extremely clear information here, but um, he, he's most likely, sadly, sadly shot. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. See, uh, Abu Rahmadov stopped contacting others in the beginning of December and uh, human rights activists said that he had disappeared and there were, there, were, there were already reports at the time that the blogger could have been killed but it had not yet been con- uh, confirmed. And and I, 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 I don't know. I don't know. I really hope that there's some miracle and that he's alive but but sadly, most likely, he's been, he's been shot and he's one of the most influential guys because he was known for his criticism of the Chechen authorities and and in 2015, he left Russia after he had a conflict with relatives of Ramzan Kadyrov. He was granted political refugee status in Sweden. In Chechnya, he's accused of ties to the Islamic State and everything in between. But um, yeah, obviously, those things are fake because he's just criticizing our best buddy, Kadyrov. And in 2020 and 2021, he and his brother already had faced attempts in their lives. In December 2021, he reported that nine of his relatives had been kidnapped in Chechnya, and he wasn't joking, he was really under a lot of pressure and stress, so we don't really know what what's going on and what's happening there. So it's a bit depressing once again. However, well, we're going to see what's happening there, because another one of my sources getting killed this time, well, not, not quite fun. Then again, talking about sources, well, we have to mention Igor Girkin a bit. Igor Girkin's spotted in some pictures, but although he uh, has stated that he's in Ukraine and all this, all this whatnot, he's created a private military force, apparently, and is training in Tambov, which is in Russia. His fate seems to be unknown, although he's still, you know, looked for in, in the rest of the world, because if you remember my last episode, he was, uh, you know, he's still facing a life in prison due to his sentencing in Hague, as he is a massive terrorist. And meanwhile, there was a bit of a media scandal involving my own country of Latvia, which was interesting. And again, I have a lot of things that I want to talk about, since, for example, well, a thing came out, basically, about Wagner Group activities in Mali. Because, you know, they're not only in, in, in Ukraine, they're also in Mali, and, you know, Prigozhin's guys, they're uh, very active in war crimes all over the place, but that'll have to wait since since this concerns Latvia and um, Russian liberal opposition. As you know, I'm, you know, sometimes, I like some of them, but sometimes I'm critical on these people because they also show some 
interesting tendencies, so to speak of. See, what happened was that um, there's this opposition, opposition, Russian opposition news channel, TV Rain, Dozh. Since, uh, you know, they, they had escaped Russia together as, like, Medusa had come to Riga a long time ago, and there's other opposition media, they, you know, those who want to continue working, they've they've been escaping and all that stuff, but there had been a, and they've been pretty against anti-war, at least on paper, it's been a weird situation, because they've been accused of, of many things, but um, they received, uh, what, what they happened was a massive blunder. See, the thing is that their host, Alexei Koroschelyev, in one of the episodes, and uh, in, on the program, here and now, on December the 1st, well, basically stated very, very weirdly that um, uh, that many of the studies sent to us or to the Telegram bot are now public. We hope that we can help many service members, for example, with equipment and basic amenities of the front. That's what he said. And, you know, in case of his news being an opposition thing, it makes him sound like, you know, he's offering... Um, the, the TV rain is offering some actual aid to the conscripts to demobilize the Russian army. Now the thing is, TV rain fired them, but this was their second offense, and this is all sort of weird since you know he claims that he misspoke, and that there were other that this has been taken out of context. However, there is a bit of issue with this. Basically, in the show. And again, sorry, my, my <laughs> recording for so long makes my neck a bit irritated. Basically, the whole event surrounding this is the fact that apparently he made it clear that this opposition, liberal opposition news channel, who's now working in Latvia, that they're supporting the mobilized of Russia. And he got criticized for this. And although he was fired very quickly, even though, you know, he himself later then stated that... um. This is a mere, mere thing that he just misspoke and all this stuff. Well, he was fired, and and TV Rain got into under a lot of pressure, and then all the liberal and, and our Latvian security service started an investigation on this matter. And by the way, as I'm recording this, this literally happened uh, two hours ago, as from this recording, Latvian authorities had revoked broadcasting license of of this exiled Russian TV station Dozh. They just stated, I'm just going to read the statement here, because this literally popped in I was, as I was finishing my notes and recording this. Latvia's Electronic uh, Mass Media Council is revoking the broadcasting license of the independent Russian news outlet Dodge TV Rain, and this is what th this is what happened. But according to the chairman, Ivar Sabolinch, the decision was made in connection with the threat to national security and the public order. Dodge will stop broadcasting in Latvia on December the 8th. Quote, Having assessed the violations as a whole, the... NEPLP, which is, is our council there, is convinced that Dodge's leadership does not understand and is not aware of the significance and severity of the violations and therefore cannot operate on Latvian territory. And he added that everyone must observe and respect Latvia's laws. Well, that's the thing here, uh, because apparently they had been fined before since they also use a um, use the Russian map with Crimea be, being shown as Russian, which you can't do under Latvian law, since we've uh, taken a harsh stance against all the situation. And the situation here is that a lot of Russian, Russian liberal opposition, criticized this and criticized Latvia's decision as being terrible and awful, since they're a Russian media outlet who work for Russian authority, who basically work for Russian audiences and all that whatnot. 
But herein lies the problem. As you noticed, Latvia revokes them the Latvian media thing. You see, in Latvia we had a lot of issues with uh, pro-Russian media and, and pro-Russian propagandists and, and all that whatnot, tons of issues here. So we tried to do some controlling here. And sure, yeah, it, it might not adhere to some freedom of speech laws that you, some of my listeners might have in the United States. Well, we don't have such exact laws, so it's a bit different situation here. And the thing is, even the thing is, Doge, unlike Medusa, and Medusa, by the way, as well, uh, they all have registered, not as a Russian one, it doesn't matter that they, they work for Russian audiences, doesn't matter that they work for Russian, Russian-speaking audiences in Russia. What matters the most is that uh, they have a Latvian license. That's an EU license. And you have to adhere to the Latvian laws if you're a Latvian broadcasting media thing, like I am, for example. I am also, you know, bound to these laws. And it doesn't matter that my audience, like only a super tiny percentage, like less than a percent of a percent of all of my audience is Latvian, okay? So that doesn't matter. I'm still a Latvian one and I adhere to these laws. And a lot of defense happened from the fact that, you know, people like like um, Michael Nike or, or Michael Kotz, you know, they... um. Maxim Katz, sorry. They defend this on them being a Russian Russian broadcasting agency and Russian media that they're doing this as Russians should do. And I have to agree with them. I mean, if you want to target Russian audiences in a way that uh, reaches the soldiers and makes them rethink their position, then that's one thing. But legally speaking, if you're, if you're broadcasting from Latvia and you have a broadcasting license and you are protected under our press law... Because again, Latvia has a specific press law, and it's not a freedom of speech law. It's a weird situation here, okay? The laws are totally different from the ones in the United States. I, as a media, have very different rights of what can I say, what can't I say, and, and what protections I have, rather than me as an independent person, public, like, private person, okay? So I won't delve into Latvian laws, but for one, if you escape Russia, and you, then you register here in Latvia to broadcast from here, then uh, you have to obey these laws of Laffy, obviously. And they didn't. And this wasn't their first infraction. And apparently, well, they really didn't take this seriously. And although it's a bit weird that they shut the whole thing down, I'm pretty sure that our security services have uh, other reasons why to do this. And just another thing that, again, as with all these tourist visas and all that whatnot, you know, you have to be very careful because among these channels that have entered a lot of European countries, but there's a lot of people who are less than friendly and who would like to spread their own quite propagandistic worldview at some point. And I don't know how this will turn out, because this, in a way, does play into Putin's hands, because he can now state how evil Latvia is. But however, you know, we, um, we as a Latvia, we would get into way more trouble if it would, you know, if, if, we, if, if it was found out that from Latvian territory, from, from our land, we're still somehow helping Russia and we're participating on this and not helping Ukraine, I think that would dishonor us by more. And then, you know, we could lose a lot of friendly status. We have to be harsh on these matters because, well, what will the Estonians, Lithuanians, Poles, and most of all Ukrainians think about us? It's an Eastern European thing, I suppose. It's a matter of honor, but this is the case where we kind of have to be, har- have to be harsh even though I might not like exactly how this have turned out, since Dodge is a weird thing. Although, you know, I uh, don't feel exactly alone on this matter, since 
one of the Russian opposition journalists who has stayed true and honorable, Alexander Nevzorov, whom I consider my mentor, you know, he's also taken the position of the Latvian media about this whole situation since Latvian government opposition, since, as he claimed, he had some damning information about Dodge and he had been saying that Latvia should be careful about them for a while already. Sadly, I don't have this information, but, uh, you know, if something pops up, I'll be sure to know. Not right now, as I'm continuing my research about this whole war situation and continuing my work, I'm prepared to face a lot of, lot of flack from the Russian liberal media about how evil we are here in Latvia. And okay, there's a lot more I want to talk about, but that'll have to wait until tomorrow, because again, I have a huge informational debt to you guys. I'm still keeping the one about Wagner Group activities in Mali, because that's going to be a long one. And I think we're going to send that one to Anna to, to, to be edited properly, because, well, I really want to tell you about our favorite orchestra and Prigozhin and his merry band of vile, vicious criminals who are doing a lot of murder. I, th- I think this is just weird. I'm, I'm really stunned that this has become a normal thing to say on my show, but hey, it is what it is. At any rate, as I'm coughing my neck out, thank you for listening to, this, uh, to today's episode. Please consider supporting our show on Patreon. Thank you to our supporters on there. We're really, really happy about this. And if you want to do a one-time donation, you can just go to theeasternborder.lv and click the donate button there. That would help us a lot, too. We are planning and preparing our January trip to Ukraine once again. This time a bit better organized. I'm still thinking about the dates and all the organizational issues. It's not as simple as you might think. One does not simply just get a car and just drive there. It's a bit more complex issue than that. But I'm working on that, so that's helping out. And you, dear patrons, bless you. I love you with all my heart. So if you want to support us, please do. We'll be super happy about this. And as always... And remember, happiness is mandatory. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Traffic jams, tailgating, pile-ups. Ugh, the joys of driving. How could it get worse? The federal government wants to have a say in what you drive. That's right. The Biden administration's EPA is pushing mandates that would ban two out of every three vehicles on the road today. Don't let Washington become your backseat driver. Protect the freedom of driving your way. Visit energycitizens.org. Paid for by the American Petroleum Institute.